0: It's Jesse and Parker, and this is our second week of the podcast, and we're really excited to talk to you um, just about something that God's been talking to us about. Um, So a lot of times people go into the new year with new goals, new perspective, um, and a lot of times people want to know what God is saying to them for the year. And so we believe that God has given us a word specifically for this year, and a lot of times he gives us a really personal word, but we felt like this was actually a word for, um, for everyone that would call themselves a follower of Jesus.
1: Well, that's a big deal.
0: Yeah, I'd say so. <laughs> <laughs> so, the word the word of the year is leap.
1: Were <laughs> you waiting for me to say it?
0: No, I was just going to say it myself.
1: Okay. Pause for emphasis. What do you mean by leap?
0: Well, What do you mean
1: by leap? Well, leap is jump. Is it? Is it? (laughs) I think, well, in our context, I think it means something like just doing something without knowing what the outcome will be.
0: So give me an example in, like, the natural of, like, when you take a leap.
1: Uh, skydiving? Jumping off a cliff?
0: You mean, like, physically? Well,
1: that's what you said.
0: I said in the natural.
1: What does that mean? That's That's, like, Christian language. Yeah,
0: I meant, like... Like for example, in
1: the temporal,
0: starting a job for the first time that like is out of your. Experience.
1: Oh right, yeah. So I I guess that's one example. Or like we did, we moved across the country. We feel like that was kind of a leap for us.
0: That was like a spiritual leap.
1: Yeah, but it resulted in physical actions, like you just said, like starting a new job.
0: Right. So doing do you something think that different. The spiritual words requires a a natural response.
1: Exactly. (laughs) You can't just like be that person that gets all the prophecies and doesn't ever do anything.
0: Well, yeah. Like if
1: you get a prophecy, like you're going to be a famous speaker or a famous preacher, or, you know, you're going to be a multimillionaire and like some prophet gives you this crazy word or somebody gives you a word or you write it in your journal. It doesn't really matter. What matters is that you combine your faith with the action. To leap because faith of that works is dead like James says
0: that's true
1: <laughs> what are you doing
0: I'm looking up what are you, right, what <laughs> what are is, you googling right now <laughs> I'm looking <up> the definition <laughs> the definition
1: leap. the definition of leap on google well, really
0: actually Miriam Webster
1: what does she say
0: it's taking a second okay it says to spring from or as if from the ground to pass abruptly from one state to another. Um, and that's it.
1: <laughs> to pass abruptly from one state to another. I like that.
0: Yeah. A sudden passage or transition. A choice made in an area of ultimate concern. Example. A leap of faith.
1: <laughs> I think uh, well, our friend Austin is sitting here listening into to us. He's a pretty good example of leaping. I don't think he knows how to move cities any other way. He bought a one-way ticket to New York, to our wedding, and then stayed for, what, it was three years? And now he's living with us here in Southern California. And it took all of a month and a half to make the whole transition. I'd say that's like a form of a leap, right?
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: Right. So what are some, what are some areas you think where people that say, I'm following Jesus... Need to kind of, I guess the best word is not be cowards anymore and take a leap.
0: Well, what, 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 why, why do you even think that's the word? Like, let's start with there. Like, where, how did you even get to, like, why do you think that's the word that God's saying for the, well,
1: a shortened version is that I had a vision of Jesus, which was wild, um, when we were praying for our son David and he took me to the edge of a cliff on top of a mountain and, and showed me a valley full of people that were in the valley of decision. And he said, multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. It was dark and it was a hopeless place. And I had this vantage point where I could see people were ready to make a decision to follow Jesus, but there is this war being fought over both sides. So the enemy or the devil, darkness was trying to draw these people into their, its sphere,
0: and atmosphere.
1: into its sphere, and oh. yeah, that's you gotta listen to the whole you were sentence. Saying
0: like atmosphere, but like no, it's sphere. Like no, or? it's
1: sphere. I just didn't uh, pause between my words. <laughs> it's, it's only our second podcast; it'll get better. Um, I felt like Christians needed a new boldness to reach the lost and reaching people they don't know, and not realizing that there's so many people just on a knife's edge of choosing their eternity. And eternity is actually at stake. And I think a lot of us miss that. And we need to take a leap into that valley of decision with people and draw them towards God and draw them towards who Jesus is. And not just like having like intentional relationships with unbelievers, but actually talking to them about what the gospel is and who Jesus is and having the boldness to do so. Because I think... A lot of us would be surprised how people actually respond to it. And, you know, even doing it with people you don't know, I mean, that's the best way to practice because, I mean, what do you care what they think, Right. to, to be honest in the end? They're not rejecting you, they're rejecting the gospel. And I mean, there's stupid ways of doing it, and there's overt ways of doing it, but we, it's funny, I saw this guy the other day, he preaches at the pier my dad told me about him he's a guy from like the jesus movement the pier at huntington beach and he does it now yeah and he's been around forever so i mean back in the jesus movement like people worked oh it worked really well like guys but they perform powerful miracles but yeah so he's he's still down there preaching and trying to get people saved at the huntington beach pier or like piers all over southern california
0: have you met him before
1: i've seen him I haven't met him before, because it's just kind of like, you always think those people are crazy. But what my point was that at least he's doing something. Like, a lot of nominal Christians that, like, just sit in church every Sunday that haven't shared the gospel at all are like, well, that guy, that guy's an idiot.
0: Well, is it working? Like, have you seen people, like, getting saved? No,
1: well, I mostly see people argue with him.
0: Well, then, I don't, I don't know if what he's doing is is a good thing why not well jesus like didn't just do things for the sake of doing things he said i only do what i see the father doing and maybe like 40 years ago 50 years ago during the jesus people movement maybe preaching at that pier in that style in that way was what the father was doing which was why they had Like people responding, like mass groups of people getting saved and miracles and signs and wonders and baptisms. Well,
1: and you had like old school guys like Lonnie Frisbee down there who was like crazy and jumped up and down, and like people would gather around him just because he looked crazy.
0: But like, I don't think just preaching at a pier for the sake of like doing something Christian is what God's requiring. But what's like?
1: So what's success then? Because what if God? What if God is asking him to do it and it's just like. Because there's a lot of things you read in the Bible where it's a failure. And even in the New Testament, Jesus is like, well, if they don't accept the the gospel the kingdom, just shake the dust off your feet and leave.
0: Well, I think, though, if you're in alignment with God, there there is a power there whether you accept it or reject it. There's still, like... Like, I think he would still be seeing maybe miracles and signs and wonders, but the people could choose to reject well, it. Well,
1: Jesus went to a town, and he could only heal... If a few sick people And then he left But
0: still a few sick people Well I mean
1: it's better than most
0: <laughs> <laughs> but
1: he's He is the son of God
0: Yeah I um I'm reading right now Actually Acts In um The Passion Translation Which I know you make fun of But it's really really good
1: I do not make fun of it And A little
0: It's really good Because it shows the Actual meaning Of what the writer was saying In like the Greek The Aramaic And the Hebrew And Anyway, in the beginning, before it goes into it, it kind of like talks about major themes and stuff. And one of the things it says before Acts that I thought was really cool was it says um, that Luke, Luke actually called the church, he called them the way. So they weren't called the church, then right. they were called the way or followers of the way. And it says his point is that the, the church of Jesus Christ is a distinct community who are on a love mission by the one who loves the world with a fiery passion. For Luke, the church isn't merely a gathering or assembly. Those are the English definitions of the word. The church is and always should be a movement, a spirit-fueled movement led by leaders who articulate and apply the power of the gospel. And I think that... That a lot of times, like that's what we're missing, hmm. and I think that there should be there should be a movement, a leaping, a transitioning, a, a response, whether it's a, um, like I I don't know, like I feel like, like what God is like asking for the church this year and the and followers of the way and Christians and whatever it is is like. Honestly, like, I feel like this is the year of, like, stop being lukewarm and, like, take a side. How do you do that? Well, I think you do that by, first of all, like, like, actually deciding to repent and be baptized and make a decision in your Mm -hmm. heart and in your mind to actually follow Jesus no matter what the cost. Yeah. So, like, that's one of the things we talk about is, like, Jesus plus nothing like, I think a lot of Christians have, like, raised their hands and, like, made a decision to follow Jesus, but they haven't resolved to follow Jesus. Yeah.
1: Well, and I think this is funny, because I used to do this, and this is, this is a trap I think a lot of Christians fall into. They actually take refuge in the inaction of their little quiet time. What do you mean? So, this is what it looks like. So, you get up in the morning, or you, or you get up whenever, and... You spend time reading your Bible and praying and meditating on the Word and then doing nothing.
0: Like the rest of the day? Throughout your day,
1: right. So you're taking refuge in the fact that you're like, well, I've spent my time with God. But if God is a living, active being, then He's going to disagree with you. He's going to poke and prod at you during the day. He's going to transform you. He's going to ask you to do things because he's your king and he's your Lord. And I think we've taken on almost this like Eastern mysticism into the church where it's like you're meditating for meditation's sake. And that doesn't make any sense. Like I believe in the disciplines of solitude and silence, but that's only to reach people and love on people. I believe in going to like the woods or the wilderness myself, but that's only for other people. It's not just for me. You know right. what I mean? Like, it's it's for action. It's for doing something.
0: Well, even, like, your, like, the gathering. Right. Like, so, for example, like, and, I, and we've talked about this before, but, like, you and I, I think both believe that, like, the only reason why the body gathers together is to encourage one another and equip one another to go out right. and do so, like, it's not gathering for gathering's sake, but it's more of, like, and we've talked about this a lot this last week, but, like, the the church really should look a lot more like a military force yeah. than uh, a bunch of people, like, in the woods just sitting in a circle singing Kumbaya. Right. And uh, I do think that, it, like it actually breaks my heart like I feel like a lot of the church is ineffective because they they're satisfied by hearing a good sermon and their entire Christianity is wrapped in around like if they're doing the right Christian things but not being transformed
1: yeah oh man like that message was so good did you hear it it's
0: actually like like one of the most annoying things in the world. Why? Well, because, first of all, I think it does damage to the preacher. So I know for myself, when I was preaching, like, it was awful when people would say, like, oh, that message was so great. That message was so great. Because it started to put onto me, like, this performance thing of, like, well, if I preach and they don't say it's so great, like... Oh my like and I you start to think about that and carrying out what the crowd thinks instead of what God thinks. And I, I think it makes the motivation really like like wrong. Like I think sometimes you're gonna preach a message that people say, That's the worst message I ever heard.
1: <laughs> yeah. You know?
0: And so and then it also just bothered me because people would be like, like I often preached about reaching the lost and people were like That message was the best message I've ever heard in my life. And they've never told the gospel to anyone.
1: Yeah, it felt nice.
0: Yeah, and so I'm like, well, I don't care if that was the best message you ever heard in your life. Like, go tell someone that Jesus loves them.
1: Because Jesus is alive. (laughs)
0: Like, if it's the best message, prove it.
1: Yeah. And I think, I'm going to read a scripture from Acts, but... um, One of the biggest things that helped me leap or has helped me leap in my life is doing it with you. So, like, I think one of the biggest parts of, like, leaping and actually doing this throughout the year is having a community of people to do it with. Mm -hmm. And you're talking about how, you know, soldiers in an army should be, it should represent the church more than, like, just people listening to a message or just gathering for gathering's sake. And I think one of the biggest things in the military that I've heard from guys that have served is they weren't, like, killing or doing what they were doing or um, sacrificing for this big, great cause, necessarily. They were sacrificing for the person next to them. Hmm. And I think with Christianity, you get both. You get this huge, overwhelming cause of Christ, but that cause is wrapped up in the singular human being that's next to you in the whole thing.
0: That's really good.
1: So... What is like leaping in Acts? We've been reading Acts quite a bit. And um, I just want to read a verse that many people know. But just read it again. And it's Acts 4.32. And the congregation of those who believed were of one heart and soul. And not one of them claimed that anything belonging to him was his own. But all things were common property to them. And with great power the apostles were giving witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And abundant grace was upon them all. For there was not a needy person among them. For all who were owners of land or houses would sell them and bring the proceeds of the sales and lay them at the apostles' feet and they'd be distributed to each as any had need. Now, there's two big things there that I just wanted to mention. There was power, there is unity, and there were people giving up their possessions and their money. So, if you want to take a leap, I would say start by giving money.
0: Hmm.
1: <laughs> Honestly, cuz wherever your your money goes, your heart goes as well. That's, and that's really hard for people to hear. But the reality is that I can tell what someone's life looks like by looking at their bank statement. It would take me two seconds to tell what kind of life they lead by looking at their bank statement. And I think that's really, really telling. I think if right yeah. after you get your paycheck, the first amount goes to God or goes to tithing to your local body or whatever that looks like or to widows and orphans, <laughs> whatever whatever that looks like, giving things away is what's going to free you up to be in unity with other people. Um, and that's going to free you up to leap because you'll see over and over again that God continually provides for you.
0: Wow, I... So I'm reading that in the Passion Translation.
1: Please give us, <laughs> give us the updated version.
0: Well, I just, yeah, I think, I mean, everything you're saying is, is, is so true. And one of the things it says is right before that, <clears throat> it says, Each one of them was filled with the Holy Spirit, and they proclaimed the word of God with unrestrained boldness. Yeah, and one of the things it says in the notes here, which I think this is what should mark, this is what should mark a follower of Jesus. So if you're filled with the Holy Spirit, this is like a fruit of that. Right. So this is a way to measure if you, I think, are actually following Jesus. It says um, that unrestrained boldness of preaching the word of God. It says the Greek word is perisia. This involves more than confidence. It was a free flowing, unrestrained boldness. It can also mean freedom of speech. Parisia carries nuances that are not easily brought over into English. The person who speaks with Parisia will say everything that is on his mind with no restraint, flowing out of his heart with confidence. It involves being frank and honest, hiding nothing and speaking directly to the heart. Most often it is a word used for public speaking. It refers to speech that is not tailored to make everyone happy, but to speak the truth in spite of what that may cost. It is a courage to speak truth into the ears of others. This was reserved for only the highest rank of Greek citizens, not people of other lands or slaves. Their right to speak freely was an essential aspect of Athenian democracy. Although it is sometimes associated with negative speech, it is this context, parousia, refers to an unrestrained boldness. And I felt like that was so, that's so powerful because it's almost like God is saying, like, once you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you move from, like, a slave mentality of having to make everyone happy
1: mm-hmm.
0: into, um, that's good. That's exactly
1: that, what I was hearing. As yeah.
0: Well. Into an identity of authority.
1: Well, what do you think gave them the boldness?
0: I, well, I think it's that, it's that it's the inability to like restrain the Holy spirit. So when you're filled with the Holy spirit, you're, you, you just overflow, you overflow that. And the gospel has to come out. And so I think, I think it's it's a new identity and a new authority that isn't wrapped around making people happy.
1: Well, how do you get there?
0: How do you get where? How do you get so, to that
1: place where they, not where they were, but I mean, a lot of people in our day and age are there too. I think there's probably more on fire Christians today than there were in the book of Acts. I think we're just in this like little bubble of kind of comfort sometimes that kind of blinds us from all the people that are sacrificing around the world. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, but I don't know. I, I think, I think that powerful word resurrection is a big part of it. I think Jesus being alive and Jesus coming back from the dead and Jesus, um, showing himself to be alive through signs and wonders and through reaching people and through creating that kind of unity that he prayed for in the garden of Gethsemane before he was crucified. And then Paul the Apostle says later on, I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. In the Mm -hmm. life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. And I think in order to become the type of person that speaks the mind of Christ, like they were speaking the mind of Christ without fearing people, without fearing man, and knowing that you're the highest level of citizen, yet serving people with everything that you have, it takes you dying. Well, and then rising ways, again with him as a different person.
0: In what ways do you feel like God is asking you personally to leap this year?
1: Um, there's, I mean, there's a number of ways. I Give
0: me two.
1: Two? Okay. I'll give you the, I'll try and give you the top two. So moving here, I've been trained for 10 years to be a minister, basically. Uh, went to Hillsong College and trained there. And then at 18 years old to 28, 29 years old, I was a pastor. And now it's my personal conviction that I, and this is really going to offend some people, but I don't think there should be paid professional ministers. I think it slows down the growth of the body. And I think if you can flatten the leadership model and spread it out, that's the way I'm leaping right now because I threw away my skill, my 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 value to the marketplace, right? And my ability to provide for my family. I basically threw in a trash can and said, I'm going to sacrifice this for what Jesus, I believe, is telling me to do. So that was number one. And that that too brings a wrestle with identity. So was I attached to that? But that's a different story altogether. And I think the second one is really reaching the lost. Um, And being around them and being known as a friend of sinners. And I so what are
0: like some practical ways that like, like even in the last week that you are, since God has told you to mm-hmm. do this, that you're like, your regular days are changing so that you can leap and do that. Right.
1: I have my eyes peeled for people that don't know Jesus and you can feel it after a while, you know, and the way people are having conversations, the way they live their life, you can tell, Hey, this person needs hope in their life. They need Jesus in their life. And I don't mean spiritual mysticism. I don't mean like, yes, I know there's a God. I mean the, the saving power of the cross. There's a huge difference between someone that's spiritual and someone that's connected with the saving power of Jesus. So um, that's a big one for me is like I'm keeping my eyes open for people that don't know him yet and being overt right off the bat about who I am as, as a follower of Jesus. Just so there's two reasons for that one it some, maybe somebody will get saved that way. And two, they don't feel like you're betraying them when you invite them to, you know, hang out with your community of believers or you talk to them about Jesus. They don't feel like you're just trying to sell them on something because, you know, that's who I am. I am a follower of Jesus. That's just, if we're going to be friends, I just want you to know that's who I am. So that's nerve wracking for me. And every single time it still is, it's like a cold call. When, if you're in sales or you've ever been in sales, it sucks every time, no matter how good you get, but you have to do it. Because three billion people or more don't know who Jesus is. And you, like every Christian needs to do their part. There's There can't be a backseat. Right. So
0: so would you call yourself an evangelist?
1: Absolutely not.
0: But yet you feel like you're being called into evangelism?
1: No, I feel like I'm a Christian. I feel like I'm a follower of Jesus. Like if the Holy Spirit lives inside of you and you have and, and He has the Father's heart, right? And God created all these human beings and they' they're going marching slowly towards hell throughout their entire lives. What do you think His number one priority would be? Would it be to discuss, the order of revelation and when Jesus will come back and what the thousand year reign will be, whether or not women should preach or what kind of clothes we should wear. Or I don't think that's his major number one priority. His number one priority is getting lost kids into the house. So people need to be around a fire to get warm, right? And I've heard this said before, but we keep telling these lost, broken people that they need to get warm before they come stand around the fire. But you have to experience Christ first. You have to experience his saving power in order to get warm in the first place so they can actually be transformed. They can't change outside the community.
0: Do you think that many Christians are not warm themselves and so they don't even know how to warm others? Yeah, they
1: don't know what the fire feels like. So they're trying to give rags to people, which are principles and wisdom of the world, or wisdom even from the Bible, without the saving power of Jesus. And it's like
0: there's no uh, fire. It's
1: like a jacket with holes in it in the middle of a blizzard. Right. All these principles that are taught. Without the cross and the resurrection, none of it matters.
0: So even like like financial stewardship like it means nothing if you have no
1: (laughs) well if you have no eternal perspective right what difference does it make how much wealth you gain or how much you're even giving away because you're giving away to to make yourself feel better you're not giving it away because
0: you're an overflow
1: because you're a person that gives there's a difference between somebody that gives and a generous person right right that's a, it's totally different because a generous person is generous with their time, with their words, with their life, with their money. Money usually comes first before the rest of the character traits, but that, that's the transformative power of Jesus. It fixes the internal problem or transforms the internal problem so the outworking is completely different.
0: That's great. That was a
1: lot of talking. <laughs> what about you?
0: What about me? What? you're
1: <laughs> Sorry.
0: No, don't be sorry. You're I just I don't know what you're asking.
1: What about you? What is it? we're back to the original question before I talk for 20 minutes <laughs> about myself. What What are two? You You're like, not
0: talking about yourself. Who, you're talking th- about how to reach others.
1: So what? Are, what are your two? What are your two things?
0: Like God's asked me to do to leap. Yeah. Um, I just started praying about this. I think one of them is that God is asking me to, um, to actually like intentionally take people out and show them how to reach the lost. And that's like uncomfortable for me because I always have this wrestle with like feeling like I need to perform for people. Um, and I gotta like pray through that. But um, so a lot of times like it's easier for me to like pray for someone on the street or reach the lost like by myself Cause I feel like there's no, like, I'm not having to do something for someone else besides Jesus, but I really feel like God's asking me to take someone by the hand and like show them how to get a word for someone and how to give that word and how to fail and fail well. And like just the fun of sharing the gospel. Um, and that's a huge leap for me cause it takes Intentional time to set aside and do it, and there's always like distraction and all this stuff, and so, um, like you always say, like I'm not a huge delegator. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like I rather just do it myself. Yeah. And I feel like God's asking me to like leap into like delegating evangelism, if that makes <laughs> sense. Right. So that's really Well, you're really good at me. it, so it's
1: hard to watch people, like, make mistakes in social interaction when they're trying to bring someone into eternity. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, the stakes are pretty high. Yeah. So it can be pretty nerve-wracking if someone gets awkward in that moment and botches it. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, but luckily, like, the Holy Spirit still is pretty awesome.
1: Yeah, he does awesome. it. Yeah.
0: Yeah, like, even when people say really weird things, he still, like, has his way. Yeah, that's true. Um... And then I would say the second way that he's asking me to leap is with my business. So I run a social media agency and I feel like God is like shifting a lot of the focus of the business. Um, even the way the business is done and I'm used to like running the business my way. And I feel like God's asking me to trust him with like different opportunities that I have maybe no experience in.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And, uh, that is uncomfortable, and also even just like allowing you to do what you want to do with the business and not like micromanaging, you. Um, and so, yeah. And then killing, killing businesses that aren't producing the fruit of salvation. Or even
1: just ideas.
0: Or ideas. Yeah. I mean, I have. I wake up in the morning with a thousand business ideas, a thousand random ideas. Of things that I want to do and really asking God, like, okay, what is your idea? Like, one of the things you and I have been talking about is like, what is the sole reason we're on this earth? Right. And how does everything align with that one thing? Yeah. And so cutting out the garbage and like, or even the really good things that are not the one thing, that's like a huge leap for me because a lot of identity stuff is attached to those things. Right. So, it's
1: like a simplification of life.
0: Oh my gosh, yeah. Like, I feel like I'm becoming a minimalist in my ideas. <laughs> Which is, like,
1: it's really uncomfortable. Well, what is, just to, so we don't get lost in, like, Greek minimalism, what, is, what does minimalism look like following Jesus? What's the difference between, like...
0: I honestly believe that it is having it resolved in your heart soul, mind, and flesh that you're okay if you had Jesus and, like, his resurrection and nothing else. Right. So for me, if Jesus told me to get rid of my entire business, like, I would cry for a day. But I can honestly say that I could do it. And, like, even or if we had to get rid of this apartment and, like, live on the streets or whatever, like, it would be a wrestle. But I know in my heart that I could do it. And the reason and the way that I got there, how I got to that point of being able to leap and do anything and us move across the country with a two month old baby and give up our salaries and give up like everything we felt we were supposed to do in life is because I asked Jesus to show me like the worst case scenario. Yeah. And I like I, I asked God to show me him there with me and i realized that like having no money having no job having my identity not atta- attached to anything else and just following him and that that's it was was still amazing and so i feel like once you realize like all the other stuff that the world and the enemy even like tells you that you need to have to have a good life mm-hmm when you can strip that all back and really just picture yourself with just Jesus, then it's easy to leave.
1: Yeah, that's good.
0: And so one thing someone said to me once that was really challenging was they said, they said, picture yourself alone in a room with Jesus for eternity. How does that make you feel? And I remember when I first got saved, I was like, it feels awful. Like, I don't want to be stuck here in this room all day with someone.
1: <laughs> the room might be the scariest Yeah. And I was that like... That room look like. <laughs>
0: well, for me, it looked like a mental institute. <laughs> like, I was like, this seems awful. But then, over the years, I started to realize, like, wait a minute. Like, Jesus, like, created the universe. So that room could become the whole universe.
1: Yeah, it could become whatever you wanted it to be. Yeah,
0: and you're with Jesus... Like, the, the author of life. And so, That's all good. of a sudden, like, my perspective of who he was changed. That's good. And the limitation became everything. Yeah.
1: That's awesome. So, I think, I, I mean, I think we're going to wrap this up now. But, I just want to encourage everyone listening to do it when it doesn't feel like you should. And someone asked me the other day, we went into a shopping center around here, and we're praying for people. And one of the guys I disciple asked me, well, why did you say that to that person? Did you feel like an urging of the Holy Spirit? And I was like, no, I didn't feel anything. I just felt like that was a person, and that God cared about them. So I asked them right away, do you need prayer? And he just texted me yesterday, and he's coming on Wednesday to hang out with a community of believers. He said he was looking for a community and I oh, said, the
0: guy at the shopping center.
1: Right. So I said, Well, I've got just the thing for you. And I said, Oh, ju- we just started a church. Here's my phone number. I put it on one of our church cards. And I didn't say, Dear Holy Spirit, should I pull the trigger on this human being who's an eternal soul? Like, I just did it. And you I didn't.
0: Pull the trigger, like,
1: shoot them. <laughs> <laughs> like, well. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, there's something, there's a tipping point in everybody's heart where it goes from. Thinking about doing something, then visualizing doing something, and then actually doing it and the words start coming out of your mouth. Um, so just go out and do it.
0: Yeah, I think a lot of times it's better to just go and approach them and then let the words... Yeah, even if you don't know what you're going to say, yeah.
1: <laughs> just do it. It's better to just care about somebody. In the, yeah. if, if all else fails, love somebody and love them enough to tell them about Jesus because that's the most important thing.
0: Love yourself enough.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's good. And that's that's a whole other podcast, I think. I think we could talk for hours about that. But All right, well. Well,
0: we'll talk to you next week. All right, our baby's <laughs> crying,
1: so have a wonderful, wonderful day whenever you listen to this or night, and we'll talk to you next week. Much love.